Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today I'm excited to have on a friend and lobbyist, Kevin McKinney from McKinney Associates. Kevin, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Awesome. And over, as always, in Lansing, uh, Kevin, over at True Cannabis. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, guys. Good uh, afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an early one for us, uh, a noon start time. So uh, <laughs> yeah. excited to talk to Kevin today. Uh, always love chatting with him. And Tom Beller at Relief Solutions. What's happening, Tom? Afternoon. Oh, snow, snow, and more snow up here, man. It's nice. great. About time. <laughs> well, today, uh, a lot of people, uh, as we always do, we, we I give a little longer introduction and, and talk about uh, people's roles and, and Michigan cannabis history. And uh, I'm excited to talk about Kevin's because uh, there's all these new new lobbyists, uh, new people, and everyone's coming in, jumping on board. But uh, Kevin McKinney is the first, in my opinion, cannabis lobbyist in uh, in Michigan for uh, as far as that and has helped you. So in 2011, uh, I first met Kevin. Uh, my good buddy, Bob Beldori, was, was helping me introduce to uh, uh, lobbyists we were going to hire for the MAC, uh, at our first association. And uh, we interviewed Kevin and... Uh, um, I was Karub, GCSI, a bunch of a bunch of the different ones, and uh, definitely felt Kevin was the right person for the job, and uh, obviously he was. That was one of the better decisions I've made in in hiring <laughs> consultants or, or lobbyists over the years. Uh, but then Kevin got really involved in uh, uh, with the MAC, and then that kind of disbanded and uh, worked really close with Robin Schneider. Uh, has been there uh, every step of the way from 2011 till today. Every single bill that's gone down in Lansing, statewide, Kevin's been involved with it and knows about the history way more than, than we do. So it's, uh, we can definitely get to pick his brain on that. And on a, on a personal note, a um, couple things, uh, you know, Kevin, we wanna talk about it uh, as far as believing in cannabis. Kevin had a pretty uh, scary bout of, uh, remember uh with uh you know cancer and use cannabis and is and you know i see him on, on on facebook now climbing rocks and mountains stuff i can't dream of doing so i'm, I'm thinking he's feeling pretty good and then uh, uh one of the things people don't know about and you never hear kevin talk about it is when we got really attacked by bill shooty and stores had to shut down and nobody had money kevin kevin kept lobbying for us without getting paid for a long time so um, most people wouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, that's something uh, I'll never forget. And uh, people, sh- people should know about it, but I know Kevin's not going to toot his own horn. <laughs> so with that, Kevin, uh, tell us about you and your company. And let's, uh, let's get into the start of 2011 and uh, take it from there. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, really a pleasure to be on. I will tell you, this is the second time I've worn a tie since uh, March of 2020. Um, not only because of this, but I do have a meeting at the Capitol. First time an in-person meeting that requires a tie. So uh, my multi-client lobbying firm is McKinney & Associates. I've been in this uh, legislative political arena since 1979. So I'm pushing 41 years. 
uh, involved over at the Capitol. Um, it's a multi-client lobbying firm. I represent a number of different organizations and interest groups, uh, quite heavily involved in the healthcare arena with representing osteopathic physicians, rehab providers, brain injury folks, auto no fault, um, business groups, including in the past, the Lansing Regional Chamber of Commerce. Um, and as you said, I, I got involved actually through your introduction with Mac. Uh, I like to tell the story that I was probably the last firm that was interviewed uh, for the job that didn't turn it down. And, no, uh, no, no. We had some good. <laughs> we had some good offers. So. Okay, um, but what I, I want to stress with you is that um, you know I, I really wanted to be uh, conflict-free with my client portfolio. So I did go to the osteopathic uh, physicians MOA and asked them, and uh, they did not see any sort of conflict representing uh, at that time medical marijuana. Uh, shortly after I really began working for you guys, I was diagnosed with, as you indicated, uh, stage four throat cancer, which uh, pretty much hung me up uh, for the better part of a year, although I continued to work, but for probably a month of that time. And, um, you know, I was going to the U of M Cancer Center and going through my treatments, and it was quite um, extensive treatments between chemo and, and radiation in the throat which caused me to not be able to eat. And, um, you know, with cancer patients, you they fill you full of narcotics between oxycotton, oxycodone, and morphine uh, to the point where you're, you're really barely functioning besides the side effects. So uh, really through the exposure of uh, you guys and, and Robin Schneider, I turned to my attending physician and my uh, physicians at the U of M Cancer Center and said, I'm going to get off of all these pain meds and I'm going to take medical marijuana. And I used uh, a tincture through a feeding tube that went into my belly. And um, it was um, very effective. And I can't tell you, you know, just in terms of um, relaxing me, providing some ability to laugh or smile, sleep better. So all the things you're aware of. So I became a, not only a paid lobbyist, but a true believer. And I think that's a little bit of the difference and why I think that quite honestly, I worked so hard uh, for the cause was because I could empathize with all the other patients that were um, fighting to have safe access to medical marijuana. So. It was a very strange and ironic start in this in this field, but uh, certainly one that was well worth it and quite long, in fact, in terms of getting our um, our first uh, bill enacted into law. You want to talk about that? The first one was really mm -hmm. uh, 2014. I was in. Uh... Uh, I believe I was in I was in federal prison. I missed like I have like a blank window in my time gap of Michigan politics because I wasn't uh, wasn't here, but uh, I was sure. watching it, and getting visitors, uh, you know, like to, and telling me what's going on. So actually, I'd love to hear a little bit more about football. Yeah, I know we started with like we raised money for Mike Colton in twelve and started working with Mike, but you know. Yeah. So really, um, once uh, 
the uh, compassion centers uh, folded up. Um, we reconstituted under uh, National Patient Rights Association, and Robin was our legislative director and really our chief strategist and leader. And we went to Mike Colton, Representative Colton, who was at that time a first-termer, and that was in May of uh, uh, 2012, and he introduced the first version of that bill, 5580, which uh, is not really relevant. But there was no committee action for the rest of that year, which ended that that legislative session. Um, you know, at that time, I was the only cannabis lobbyist, and there was really nobody else at the Capitol lobbying um, this particular issue. We reintroduced the bill with modifications. Um, early next session and that bill along with kind of a companion bill which dealt with the regulating the infused products was introduced by representative Eileen Kowal. I'll tell a little bit about that in a second but I was really proud of the fact that we got that uh, 4271 passed out of the house by a 95-14 vote which at that time was the largest margin of support in any state house in the country. And so we really felt we had great momentum. Um, it went over to the Senate, which was referred to the Senate Government Ops Committee, which was chaired by the Senate Majority Leader. And why that's important is if the leader agrees with your proposal and it's in his committee and he reports it out, uh, you got a pretty good chance that it's it's going to uh, pass that chamber. Um, the bill, the bill was reported on a committee and um, I think in August. And unfortunately, uh, we had to wait till the lame duck. And I think it was the last day of the lame duck of that session uh, when we were really anticipating a vote. And a couple of things happened. Um, one is the law enforcement agencies and groups came in with a uh, a letter strongly opposing the legislation. Um, it was kind of spearheaded by the sheriffs, the police chiefs and the prosecutors, but it had um, all the makings and marks of uh, from Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard, who as you know, was a former colleague and served in the Senate. And that eroded uh, some of our support that last uh, day of session. And then uh, Eileen Colwall, who was the representative who had the uh, infused uh, products legislation, was running for Oakland County Commission and needed Senator or needed Sheriff Bouchard's support. So she withdrew her support for her own bill the last day of session, which really took the air out of our effort. Uh, even though her husband was the majority floor leader. So we had to make a very tough decision at that day, and that was to take a vote on it, realizing we were going to lose or just let it die a natural death and come back next session. And that was agonizing for many of the advocates that were so upset. And I remember their faces, and I remember the lunch that day, talking about it, the pros and cons of losing it and losing it this way and we just decided that better to go into the new session without that vote so again we 
rolled in Mike Colton, but made a change, which I think was the real game changer. And that was including um, Representative Lisa Posthumous Lyons, who um, um, was in the leadership in the Republican Majority Caucus. Her father was the former Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumous, who was then working as a senior advisor for Governor Schneider. And Lisa was a true believer in medical marijuana and the efficacy of it. And reintroduced Representative Eileen Kowal's uh, bill and really became a driving partner for Colton in getting this thing through. And um, the only challenges we had, and there were a lot, but was the fact that at this time, everybody, every cannabis interest hired up a lobbyist. So in the previous two sessions, it was kind of Robin and I making decisions, negotiating with law enforcement in municipalities and townships and the administration. This time, just about every lobbying firm in Lansing had client interest. And all of them were really not trying to um, necessarily play fair. They were playing to get their own clients to have an advantage. So there were a lot of frustrating moments um, that we had to overcome, but we ended up doing so uh, thanks to Mike Colton and and, uh, Representative Lyons and uh, got through and and the governor signed the three bill package. And quite honestly, that moment, um, probably I'm one of the most proud of, uh, of all my 40 plus years in Lansing. It's one of the hardest fights I've ever had. It was one that I truly, truly believe in. And, you know, we were really fighting for the patients and their families. So, you know, uh, worked very closely with Ida Lee, who's now with MICIA and and her late daughter, Bella. And uh, so that made the real difference in, in, you know, never giving up. So that's the story of that. Um, I really didn't get... Uh, involved in the ballot initiative in the beginning, um, I kind of felt that my clients were okay with medical marijuana, but were a little bit more sketchy on adult use. And I was not really of great value in the petition signature gathering phase anyways. However, after the coalition had submitted their their signatures, you know, the legislature has a 40 day window to adopt it. And um, at that time we were hearing that the Senate majority leader Arlen Mikoff had designs to adopt it and make changes for some interests that um, he was close to. So I got hired by the coalition and hired by MPP to um, fight any legislative adoption. And we were successful, especially with uh, convincing the House and Speaker Leonard not to do it. Yeah. Um, and then after it passed the, in November, once again, we had to make sure to protect it from any sort of legislative interference. And, and most people don't know about that, Kevin, because like that's like for someone like me, um, you know, I had a lot of friends on the drafting committee, uh, obviously, and I talk, would talk to them and they like, say, what do you want, Ryan? I'm like, you got to allow marijuana felons to participate you know and like things like that and i truly believe any version that would have got picked up and changed i would be i'd be right back out of 
on, on the street to not be allowed to participate. So um, really thankful on that. And then on another point, which really upset me, uh, it kind of got me stirred up about uh, uh, kind of like what I thought, how government worked. You know, I had a rude awakening in 2010. Ah, now I accept it. I see a lot of other people have rude awakenings on how government <laughs> works. But uh, um, they always say, hey, if you don't like it, change the law. I hear that from cops all the time. Girl. Don't like it, change it. So we went to change it. And you mentioned some stuff. But I also know of of a co- uh, fully dressed cops going into gyms uh, before the vote and, and doing intimidation pro- pro- uh, practices and lobbying and using our money, um, you know, the tax revenue that they pay to lobby against it. So like that thing that always really bugged me. You, you made me think about it. But uh, <laughs> awesome. So I know uh, I know Kevin had something uh, this, but. Yeah, thank you for protecting the one. Yeah, you know, just to touch on what you guys were just talking about, I remember a, uh, a police officer coming into um, one of my city council meetings in my local town in his uniform and just spouting a bunch of nonsense as if it was fact. And when you looked around the room, it was kind of crazy. Like I saw people like nodding their head in agreement with him. And I'm just like, this is insanity. You know what I mean? Like we pay these guys salary to come to lobby against me in his uniform as if that authenticates his opinion. Um, I just I've always thought that was that was kind of uh, an odd thing. Um, I also have always thought, like you said, Ryan, when you talk about, uh, you know, an epiphany, uh, an eye-opening experience with politics, when I started in, in politics and, and working with Kevin and, and whatnot, when I saw that the um, the police officers association, the state police, the county sheriffs, the prosecutors all had lobbyists there every single day lobbying on behalf of their agenda, that was mind-blowing. That to me was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I mean... These people, their job is to enforce law, not write law, not to interpret law, but to enforce law. And and so I still <clears throat> can't fully wrap my head around how that that whole situation works. Um, that being said, um, I did want to you know uh, talk to Kevin a little bit about um, our history. Um, I met Kevin in, in uh, at the, it was probably around 2013. Um, we were working on the the state legislation to try to get something passed. Um, I was one of the people that um, couldn't have been more disappointed when we had to withdraw our bill and, and not vote on it and wait out for the next um, governmental session. Um, it was probably one of the most disappointing moments of my life. I, I we'd worked so hard to get to where we were at, and it was like we 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 had thought we had it, and and then to not. Um, you know, it, it kind of made us all, I think, think about what our futures were and, and, and how to proceed forward. But one one person that did not stop, that, that was Kevin, you know. Um, every time I went to a city council meeting or a zoning meeting, um, anything with the city of Lansing, anything with the state of Michigan, I always saw Kevin McKinney there. And um, I, I gotta tell you, you're probably one of the most honest, trustworthy guys I've ever met in my life. You've treated me so well in our relationship, working on trying to get things through not only the city of Lansing but the state. And you never had to do any of that. You didn't. You didn't have to to back me when you did. I think that you. Um, I just think that goes back to to your character. Um, you know, we we spent so much time reading bill after bill after bill and and, and proposal and, and chopping them up and trying to find where they were, trying to slide things in. Um, you know. One thing for me, I've questioned my motivation uh, to continue doing politics, but you've been doing this for 41 years. What What is it that gets you up every single day? I mean, you don't have to do this. I see, like Ryan said, I see you climbing mountains, uh, spending time with your kids, which is absolutely, a, I think that's that's great. But what what is it that keeps you going, man? We're, we're, we got past the hurdles. You know, we, we got over the, the city stuff. We got over the state stuff. Um, 
you know, what keeps you keeps you going every day, Kevin? Yeah, sure. Well, um, one is I still enjoy it. Uh, it's still a challenge. Um, although I will tell you this past year, um, probably more on the national scene, but it's really filtered down to the state level. It's pretty draining um, for somebody in my business. It's draining for anybody if they're following it, but really draining if you're you're in it every day. Um, but it really is a, a passion of mine to solve problems. And what I'm finding is I'm getting kind of in my final chapters of my my career. Um, and I'm not going to retire anytime soon, but I'm thinking about it. Um, you know, I take on projects that I believe in. And I think that's a big difference. So I don't take on projects, uh, you know, just for the money, uh, but really try to um, take on challenges to to better a situation. Um, you know, we played a role in the clean slate legislation. And I'm proud to say that MICIA uh, was the only cannabis association that fought uh, and supported that package. And it was a great package. And it's issues like that that, you know, I think really keep me going. Um, but I like to do the other things that you just mentioned too. So I, I, I like to get out of my comfort zone and and, and uh, rock climb and do some of the other adventurous things. So, you know, I have balance like everybody's supposed to have. And, um, you know, I, I'll keep going until Somebody says I'm I'm too old or too marginalized. One thing I wanted to raise with you both, um, you know, you raised your your um, um, concerns with the police that were going to high school gyms and and hearings and um, you know the police uh, certainly the police organizations certainly have a right to to have lobbyists and have a voice in policy we've we like you kevin i've always said look at you enforce whatever is statute and so that was kind of an initial emotional pushback that i always had but we were able to in a few circumstances get the uh badge number of some of these officers that were intimidating uh whether as a presenter um it's you know some public hearing form on on the ballot initiative and Robin and I did go to the Michigan Civil Rights Commission, and um, they did start uh, some preliminary investigation. Um, and they were very concerned about the role of uh, some of these individuals. So um, I don't know quite honestly what came of it, but um, you know, obviously we prevailed in that in that uh, initiative. I will tell you this: that in the end, all the law enforcement officers cared about was money they wanted money and their cut of the pie and once they realized that we were winning that was all they they um that's how they were leveraging their neutrality uh, on the issues well i feel like it's it's not only money it's also uh job security you know um we didn't get that uh that legislation passed if it wasn't going to include roadside sobriety checks uh for for the mouth swab you know uh to me that's just another level of denial 
Um, you know, we've had several tests uh, done by the NTSB, and they've not been able to conclusively prove that cannabis actually impairs your driving more than the minimum threshold for alcohol. So, you know, we've got the state police lobbying for mouth swabs, uh, yet we have no evidence to prove that you really are impaired, so to speak. So, um, you know, that that's where I, I have a little bit of a problem. Like you said, it also is money. That's also a problem to me as well. But, um, you know, uh, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, you've been doing this for 41 years. Um, in 41 years, the lobbyists stay, right? But the, the House reps and the senators, they term out and they get replaced and governors get replaced. Um, we're seeing in politics uh, in today's world where we're seeing a lot of arguing, um, a lot of dishonesty um, about reporting on politics and what's actually going on. Um, you being an honest guy, um, again, what motivates you? I mean, you it's like running your head into a brick wall, man. Um, you know, I, I feel like you being an honest guy, that's gotta be heartbreaking at times. Well, it's heartbreaking at times. I've tried to maintain my ethical standards. And um, in my business, you're only as good as your word. So I can only give my word. And if some information changes, um, I have to go back to that legislator. What I have found is because of term limits, uh, it's much more transactional. What I mean by that is the trusting long-term relationships where you would build after six or eight years with these legislators. You would know their family, know their interests, um, maybe go to their weddings and that, those sorts of things. That's pretty rare now. Um, usually a legislator, you kind of work with them for the six years, or the eight years in the Senate and, and they're gone or maybe they move on to a different elected position. But, you know, there's still some uh, good, hardworking, honest, well-intentioned people in the legislature as well as in the lobbying corps. I just think that um, it's hyper-partisan. There's too much money in the system. And I don't see any way out of that in the near future. Um, so it is frustrating at times. Um, you know, ironically, I, I talked to a bunch of uh, lobbyists in the past about starting a lobbyist association which many states have, that would be like the state bar, where we would be working under um, certain uh, business practices and we'd have to do so much uh, pro bono work. Um, and it was kind of a, you know, I think there were a number of firms that liked the idea and then there were a number of firms that were strongly opposed to it. So it never really got any traction, but I'd love to see that happen someday. Uh, in Michigan. Yeah, that's extremely refreshing to hear, you know, <laughs> too many people come out and, you know, let's let's set some standards for ethics in the industry, you know, the industry that you're in is lobbying and helping things, you know, pass through on special interests. But I guess that kind of leads into my question. First of all, I want to say thank you for everything that you have done. Uh, we are eternally grateful for your hard work. Uh, so with the uh, special interest now you've you've seen you've seen it all with cannabis from medical to recreational to now that there's an industry and it happened pretty fast i'd say um i guess my question is what do you see as the major hurdles moving forward as a lobbyist and us as an industry now that we're getting away from convincing people that medical cannabis works we know that you know that 
<laughs> firsthand and people are getting more and more accustomed to that uh recreational cannabis comes to a personal rights issue and uh but now that there's an industry now it's different it's no longer like okay we can all get behind the plant and and rah rah the plant and now that things are open what do you see as being the major obstacles for us as an industry that we are going to have to overcome it's a very good question i would say um to minimize the greed and avarice in the industry so when you look at what kind of the overarching mission statement of MICIA is, it's really to provide a level playing field for people to get into the industry, right? And we will continue to be challenged by um, moneyed interests that are always going to try to want to advantage themselves um, in this this emerging industry. And I think the fact that um, we'll have to continue to push back, whether it's legislative, administrative rules, or transactional relationships in the legislature. Um, I think that's going to be there for a while until we have a more stable um, association. I'm, I'm not association, but industry. I'm really excited, quite honestly, to help the industry and the association grow because I, I think that. MICIA can be the most powerful, influential um, interest group in the state. And uh, I'd love to be part of that. And I think it can happen. And I I look at how the beer and wine wholesalers have worked in, in Lansing in Michigan. And I think we can even be more influential, more um, provide um, you know, more charitable. I don't know what their charitable giving is, but when you talk about, you know, uh, criminal justice reforms, um, um, equity programs, um, social justice issues, charitable giving in your community, I think you guys have, um, you know, a, a real great opportunity to advance um the industry, your companies, and the product. And I, I look at um, a couple little ways that I think that the um, opinions are changing about cannabis. And one is a personal one with my family, my elders, my uncles, you know. My father was a big fan of it, um, especially medical marijuana. Um, but my uncles who are in their 80s, are very supportive, really without encouraging them or coaching them. And I look at, you know, I represent the Michigan Osteopathic Association and I do a lot of presentations to the medical students, interns and residents. And obviously the interns and residents have a far greater interest in understanding um, cannabis as a plant, its medical use, its efficacy, than some of the older physicians, obviously. But I think that's very promising for the industry as a whole. And I, and I use that as a litmus test to say that I think we're really, really coming around. And MICIA did a, um, a candidate survey, both in the primary election and followed up in, in the general election. And we, we graded the uh, candidates on what they thought about cannabis. 
And those that obviously returned their surveys were all in the B, B, B pluses and A's. Um, now, obviously those that opposed it perhaps threw it away, but, um, and this was not with, you know, any promise of endorsement or money. So I think once our association builds up a pack and maybe decides they want to start endorsing, um, you know, I, I think you'll get those surveys back and I think you're going to find very, very strong support in the legislature for cannabis. That's been, that's been fun, to, fun to see. We talk about that a lot. Uh, we started off uh, even pre-hire uh, pre, uh, and uh, you, Kevin, uh, you know, Jeff Irwin would talk to us, uh, Verge would, Verge would talk to us, uh, downtown some, and then, uh, eventually we got, uh, the story goes, we met with, uh, Dennis Sharnak and Richard McClellan yeah. and, uh, you know, they told us to get a Republican by our side and, and, uh, met Mike Calton with Todd and Helen Pryor and Robin was there and, uh, and long story, but pretty wild and to see what you just said with the MICIA being the most powerful lobby firm, which I think it can be. And that's one of the great things about Michigan is uh, our lobbying firm that does have the most influence, the most relationships uh, is is a group of good people that are, are caring about the plan and the patients and uh, getting everyone involved, which, you know, for most states, um, that is not, not the case. And uh, there's a lot of reasons behind that so mm -hmm. that is awesome um i did want to bring this up because i think uh uh it goes without saying and kevin's a modest guy doesn't talk about it much but you know kevin was the uh and still is the lobbyist for the uh, the lansing guild in, in lansing and uh you know through his uh relationships and the great job uh, a lot of a lot of the lansing guild guys got got provisioning center license which is really cool for me to see because they're guys from the industry and they grew up a lot of them here or around here so it's not like that in most other cities so tell us a little bit about the Lansing <laughs> Guild and uh if you want sure. the history with that because we originally started a, a Lansing Guild it was way back in the day it was me Shakina Brand Johnson and Robin and then uh so this is the second coming so I like to throw that out <laughs> <laughs> well obviously after the legislation passed MMFLA uh, we set our sights on on Lansing, and at that time, I think um, there was probably over 80 plus dispensaries at that time. Uh, some good, some bad, some pushing stuff out the back door that was questionable. And um, and I know you had Verge on two weeks ago, or whatever, and uh, he has his own um, take on it as well. But we we realized that we had to have some control over this in our community, especially as. <clears throat> Uh, individuals were making substantial uh, capital investments uh, and going for a state license. So uh, there was a, a few of us that got together and formed the Lansing Medical uh, Cannabis Guild and really worked on putting together a, a draft ordinance and worked with Verge and a few of the city council people at that time um it kind of paved the way to to get introduced um that was a very challenging um effort uh kevin knows he was in all of our meetings and it's at city hall you know there were a lot of neighborhoods that had some bad experiences with some of these dispensaries and some caregivers in the neighborhoods that weren't 
probably as responsible as they should be. And, um, you know, it, we finally uh, got an ordinance that wasn't perfect, but was one that we could um, agree to that uh, when adopted would allow for, for individuals to apply and put their best foot forward. Um, I, I think that was almost equally challenging as at the, at the Capitol, but I'm real pleased with the progress and success of our guild members. We're kind of looking at how to expand the guild, um, really working with other community organizations and business organizations. I know that uh, a few of you uh, on this call, both Kevin and Ryan are members of the Lansing Regional Chamber of Commerce. Um, I think that's great. They've really pivoted on their position on cannabis. You know, initially they were very opposed to an ordinance. They reluctantly um, supported an ordinance really to reduce the number of uh, dispensaries on Michigan Avenue to now that they are supporting the efforts of the Redemption Foundation to, to uh, approach uh, Lansing Community College to establish some, um, some programs for training. And that's obviously your, your baby, Ryan. And I think that's a phenomenal um, endeavor. And I'm glad that um, your foundation and the, and the chamber are going to work together with the city and hopefully LCC to move that forward. Yeah, that's super exciting. And thanks. I, I didn't mention that. Kevin's also a advisory board member on my foundation and uh, does a lot of great work for that and super appreciative, uh, you know, of that as well. I got one. Uh, nobody has any other questions. I got one thing I'd like to share with people. Um, and it's really another defining moment in my uh, my 40 plus years, probably one of the most difficult things I've had to do. And that was in 2014, I got invited by uh, Mark Pastorini to to speak at the Hash Bash. And uh, I wasn't really sure about it. I'd never been to a Hash Bash uh, before. He had some wonderful speakers. So I was a little intimidated by that lineup. But really, it was to just kind of give a rah-rah speech. The bill had passed the House uh, was really to tell all the people um, in the crowd to reach out to their senators and tell them to take action on the bill. But Mark said, you got three minutes, no more. And so I really took that to heart and wrote a what I thought was a very focused speech I gave it to my brother, who is a writer. I told him to edit it. He edited it down. I read it over and over. I practiced it in the mirror. I had it. It was in my breast pocket. So when I got standing uh, behind the microphone, waiting for my name to be called up, a few advocates before me were called up, and they just walked up and spoke from the heart. And they did a phenomenal job and the MC and I can't remember who it was at the time. It wasn't Mark. Um, said, see, that's the type of advocates we have in Lansing. They don't need any notes. They speak <laughs> from the heart. So I'm going, Oh shit. You know, what am I going to do? So the next one came up and she had a speech, a written speech. So she takes it, throws it up in the air and says, <laughs> I don't need a speech. 
this is what I'm going to say, and delivers a beautiful speech. I get called up. Well, I was not going to pull out my speech, but I hadn't memorized it. <clears throat> so I stood up there in front of the microphone, looked out, and froze. <laughs> and what probably seemed like five minutes was maybe 10 seconds until somebody coughed, you know, in the front row. And then I ad-libbed it and then kind of came around to my main message points. But that was probably, and I've given a lot of speeches and testified, but that was probably leading up to that, one of the most challenging things I had to do. And afterwards, I remember after I gave it, calling home to my mom and dad and talking about it and just so excited that I gave a speech. In fact, I posted it on Facebook, uh, giving it and still look at that picture once in a while. And so that was a very memorable moment uh, during this this journey. Awesome. So. Yeah, Kevin, I, uh, I've, I've given quite a few, you know, uh, uh, testimonies, whether it's to, to city councils or at the, at the state. Um, and it's a, it's intimidating. You know what I mean? It's a, it kind of catches you off guard. You think you're all prepared. You step up there and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, what do I do? <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Um, every time I've gotten into a situation like that, um, I just kind of, like you said, throw your notes out the window and just speak from the heart. And what's great about that is people realize that you're speaking from the heart and it just gives you credibility. Um, right. something that you have, you've definitely earned over your years. Um, real quickly, I wanted to go back to the, the guild situation. I'm, I, I am a member of the guild as, as Ryan is and, uh, worked with you for a lot of years. And, um, the, the, the thing that I want people to understand is, is that, um, in just being a member of the guild and, and working with you did not just guarantee anything. It, this was a, a long, hard battle and what you did is you used your 41 years of expertise to put us in the right position in the right places to make things happen at the end of the day we still had to work and we still had to make those relationships we still had to talk things through we still had to work really hard to get where we were at there was nothing handed to us but if if not for you putting us in those positions it would have never happened um you know prime example is is the is the uh the chamber of commerce um not a lot of people know you, you're one of the only people that probably does know that i've been a member of the chamber of commerce for eight years as a cannabis business i was the first cannabis business to be a member of the chamber of commerce um they were the they were it was right at the time when they were willing to start to kind of talk about things and mm -hmm. you know lining us up with legitimate businesses uh putting us on the invitations and on the uh the presenters uh um note cards or whatever it might be next to those legitimate businesses what is what earned us uh legitimacy so um i just wanted to point that out um because i think that there are some people that have a misconception thinking that you know just because you belong to a certain group or uh, have a certain lobbyist that that just means that you paid for something and then just got something for nothing. And that's just, I just want to clarify that that is absolutely not how it works. Yeah. Good clarification. That's, that's a great point, Kevin. And, uh, uh, you know, that's one thing I always, when I used to, I, I know some other good lobbyists now that I think are good people, but I used to tell people about Kevin and you don't know this Kevin's like, yeah, he's the lobbyist. But he's like the only good one I've ever, you know, the only honest one I've ever met. So like, <laughs> so, you know, pretty clear. Like, oh no, you can, yeah, you can talk to him. He's cool. But like, uh, so anyways, but we we're running out of time. Uh, obviously, we're all buddies here. Can talk forever. But wanted to give uh, everyone a chance to say goodbye. Any final thoughts? So go ahead, Kevin uh, Pipus. 
Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to, to thank Kevin again. I, I usually take this time to, to pour my heart out to, to our guests about uh, what they've done for us. But, um, you know, I talked to Verge last week. Um, you know, I, I, I carried a lot of this stuff on my shoulders myself as far as financial burden and, and, and the hard work on the ground. But there are a couple of people that I absolutely could have never done this without. And and Verge was one of them by inviting me to come to Lansing to, to open my business. And then for you to put in all the effort that you've put in over the years. Um, like I said, it, there's absolutely, absolutely no way I would have done this without you. And I, I, I appreciate you. Um, I consider you a friend outside of work. And um, I wish you all the best moving forward, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, just thank you so much. Uh, as an MICIA member myself, um, it's good to know your backstory. You didn't have to put it out there for the world, but it's good to know where you're coming from. I didn't really know as much about you. I did some research, but it's good to know that you are on the right side, you know, of things. And as Ryan had mentioned, you know, with lobbyists, sometimes not sometimes it's one of those things like an attorney or something, right? Like, Oh yeah, they're all bad. But as you know, keep fighting the good fight. And I hope you do maintain some, like develop some type of uh, standard for lobbyists and, and how we treat politics in the future. And maybe we can get some real sensible uh, things, not just in cannabis. I mean, it's, it's all right. over the place. So, but thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. And, and uh, Kevin, yeah, uh, obviously thank you very much for being on anything you want to, say on your way out no just that uh, it almost sounds like it's a retirement um (laughs) (laughs) speech no i just want to say how much i've enjoyed the journey with uh, all of you and uh, my special friend robin schneider and how excited i am to continue to work with them icia and i think the um the growth potential of the uh association is phenomenal and um It'll be fun to come back and visit this in, in the next two years, five years, ten years, and see uh, um, how well everybody's doing. So, thank you very much for having me on. Well, thank you, thank you for uh, for being on. I know we've been been wanting you on for a while, so thanks for making the time and dressing up. And uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> one thing, uh, yeah, I'm real passionate about is, uh, and there's a lot of us like making sure as as uh, some people have tried to rewrite Michigan history and what really happened and that doesn't that, that that hasn't gone well i think people are accepting that we're gonna keep doing it and be loud but um you know uh i've heard some crazy stories about other lobbyists being the marijuana lobbyists and that just so anyone listening to this that is not the case it's always been and has been uh, kevin mckinney so uh with that everyone i uh, will uh, see you next week great thank you thanks the Smoking Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.